Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started catherine is the managing partner at carista which is a vc firm investing in game changers in the interview catherine shares her journey from the academic lab to the business world and the importance of broadening one's perspective Her insights reminds us that successful leaders not only embrace change but also thrive on learning from different fields. She highlights the significance of self-awareness and humility for entrepreneurs and which can be a game changer in fostering a successful business. Hi Catherine, welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today with us. Can you start by sharing a bit of who you are and what do you do? Yeah, with pleasure. So thank you for the invite. I'm Catherine Bourg. I'm in French, as you probably can hear. I'm based in Paris. I'm a molecular biologist by training. A long time ago, I worked in the lab. It wasn't no, not really a good, good experience for me. I, I was a little bit boring, so I tried to do other things and I made an MBA and then I discovered the, the real world, you can say like that, and, and come to entrepreneurship. And joined an incubator in those times. It was the early beginning of startup nation in France. So a lot of startups, incubators, and VCs has been created at this time. And I'm talking about early 2000. So yeah. <laughs> and then I joined Arista. It was another name at this time. But the same companies to to invest into very young companies at seed stage. And and I'm now in charge of healthcare practice at Arista for many years now. Perhaps a few words about Carista. Carista is a friend VC firm, independent, based in Paris, and but with also venture partners in London and Lisbon, in Portugal. Uh, we invest in early stage startups in healthcare, but not only, also into digital and deep tech companies. And we, we are actually running a health tech fund, we can say like that, dedicated to digital health and medtech startups from seed to series A investment. And we also have two other plans. One is focused on Paris region companies, 
doing a lot of digital companies investment. And the other one is pretty unique and focused on space tech companies. So all of these funds are dedicated to seed and series A investment. So early stage and perhaps ticket size, it's between half a million to 5 million euros per companies on average. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to start from your backstory itself, right? So you mentioned about molecular biology, right? And that's, can you share a bit more of how did you end up with that? And, and you said it, it felt boring and then you went and did an MBA. Can you share that early part of the process for you? Yeah, sure. So I was in Paris, Institut Curie in Paris, which is a brilliant academic center dedicated to oncology. And I was working as a student in the lab and trying to, to, to think about what's, what will be my life. <laughs> mm. Because it was not so easy to, to have some perspective into academic research in France, because there's not so many places, in fact, uh, in the labs. I tried to see what could be done just uh, in the neighborhood. And I discussed it at this moment, the, the, there was only one people in charge of tech transfer. Now there, there's a big team of 10 people or more in at Institut Curie, but it was, as I mentioned, early beginning uh, of tech transfer. And uh, he told me, you can do a lot of different kinds of things, but you probably need to do a, a sort of MBA to understand what is the, the world outside of the, of the mm. scientific lab, because it's pretty different. So I, I follow his advice and I, it was a good one. And my boss uh, was not very happy with my decision because uh, I had a, what we called a sort of grant for writing my uh, PhD. Uh, and it was a very good uh, point for him to have a sort of a free of charge uh, manpower uh, and planning that I, I will leave, uh, leave etc. It was, it was not a good moment, but yeah. At the end, I joined this incubator, so my MBA, and it was very interesting for me because I met with a lot of different people, creators, inventors, engineers, physicians, scientists, and everybody at this time want to create the startups. Sometimes for good reasons, because they want to have some business and put technical product on the market, etc. Sometimes for less good reasons, my, my point is that there's at this time a way to finance their own research. Uh, it's not exactly uh, the topic of a, a startup to, to finance research, or even it could be a way to, but yeah. So we've got some, some appointment with them most of the time. But yeah, it was very, uh, very energizing and uh, I like it very much. And that's the reason why I still work with uh, all these entrepreneurs. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a bit more about some of those uh, like lessons about the real world, as you mentioned from the MBA? And also like you work with many entrepreneurs and many of them are coming from maybe an academic, but also a very technical background. So can you maybe reflect upon like skills, which we learn early in life to, as you put it, the, like the real skills of making things happen? Yeah. First, first for question, real life, what does it mean? So when you are a French student with the classical pathway after the baccalaureate is to go to university and then. One year after one year, you can go uh, to uh, research or labs uh, in biology, but other in other fields, some of physics or chemistry, etc. And you, you can do a, a pass without at any moment do any steps outside of the university before the labs. And at the labs, it's not exactly the real world. It's you've got some mices, you've got some. <laughs> some different things, but you don't have any idea of what is business and 
how it works, how you how you can product product something, etc. So that was very interesting for me to discover that. And my MBA was dedicated to biotech. So I met with entrepreneurs. I, I also visited some production sites. Very, very, it was a sort of a bingo for me. We need to to products, products, uh, mm. how could it work, etc. So it was also linked to engineers, part of things in the science or in the biotech space. Yeah, it was great. And also you got a kind of, I could say, culture in, into a scientist university that money is bad and there's only science and marketing is and science mm. are not real science, etc. So we you've got some kind of moods. And in fact, I discovered marketing and it was very interesting to see how you can make people buy something, even if it's a technical product. So yeah, it was great. And we had different interviews, for example, people coming from Danone. So where marketing is very important. So yeah, it's... Uh, very different culture from coming from science. And then, but having uh, in, into labs is very uh, important to me uh, today, still today uh, in my actual uh, job, because I know uh, also how it works into, into labs and how is, uh, for example, the governance or hierarchy relationship between people, etc. And uh, it's very useful in the store uh, mission or job too, to know this part of the, of the sector. Yes. About uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah. In fact, it's not so easy to, to if it's very different. You can have different kinds of entrepreneurs for sure. So yeah, we can discuss about one kind of profile, but there's many. Probably uh, most of the entrepreneurs we are, we are meeting here is, are coming from the medical uh, sector or science. And probably most of them now have got at minimum one biomass or one uh, associate or coming more from the business side. Not all, but most of them. And, and probably what is really mandatory is, is to be, to be visionary. So for mm. sure, all of them have got an idea or there it's preliminary idea at the beginning and then trying to put it as far as they can and with a lot of strength and resilience. So it's very impressive, in fact, to, to see these people, men or women, to do that. And in fact, yeah, it's, it's passionate because they're, they are themselves very passionate and they're, <laughs> sometimes they're wrong, but they're, it's, they're really, it's real. They are really feeling that it could be done like that and it could save people, people's lives, etc. So yeah, it's great to, to see that. and. Because we are investors and they need our money in a certain way, they also need to convince us and they need to take time to be with us, to explain the things, even complicated things like uh, could be in, uh, in technical or scientific part of their projects. And they need us, so they are very patient uh, with us. And then we are, at, at some point, we met together and we, uh, we learned together to, to be at the end convinced by their projects. And it, in fact, it's a chance for me and for people are mm. doing my job to, to have these kind of people very meaningful and insightful and sometimes a little bit mad, but you need probably a, a part of that to do this kind of uh, breakthrough innovation product, etc. So yeah, it, yeah. it depends. Yeah. So you said that they need you, right? And I think that creates a particular dynamic in the relationship. 
So can you share, and you, in, in your website, you say that we invest in people and we are there for the long term. So how do you engage with people in that early stage with honesty, with uh, candidness, especially when they want to maybe paint a picture for you, right? So how do you deal with that dynamic earlier in the process? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I can jump in on the conclusion and then I come back to those days. The sure. beginning, at, at the end, it's a matter of humans. As I usually say, not only in, uh, all the investors can work with all the entrepreneurs. So sometimes it does a fit and sometimes it does not. And, and that's it. And you need to deal with that. So yeah, it's a human factor first, first of all. I also think that there are some kind of values that you can share with the management that you are dealing with or not share sharing. So if it's not done, you, you probably will not do the deal and, and it's probably better. And in this kind of values for me, for us at Carista, which is really important is to have a confidence, transparency, and also respect because we can't, we can't work to, uh, without the other. So investors need entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs need investors at some point. And so we need to be respectful and uh, for the work of each other. And for, at the end, ob the common objective is to that the company is a success. Okay, to make money, but not only that. In my part, in healthcare field, we also are very proud to to be part of a venture that could help some people to have a better life or to be more efficient in the way that you are treating them, etc. So it's very meaningful for us. And as I mentioned, so yeah, at the end, probably there's some people that you can't really work with when you are investors and when you are on entrepreneurs and you help. Ask for money uh, with investors, you are, it's not exactly a marriage, it's a kind of, because you are, could take a long time to, uh, to make the exit. So several years for sure. So if there's some, uh, no good uh, fitting with the board members, you probably not, need to not to do it because you will work with these people a long time every several times a year for sure. Every once or two months, you'll be a. Uh, in the room for board for boards and uh, some perhaps sometimes difficult decision to take or good ones also <laughs> and you need to be in confidence and to, to trust that the investor you choose is the good one and on the other side the manager you choose is the good one or if it's not at this stage he or her will be able to evolve and to hire other people to help the team but yeah it's it's Alchemy, alchemy stressors. You see, it's not so easy to, to understand. Yeah. And the way we are operate that is, in fact, only meeting with people, talking about the project, trying to understand the project deeply, taking the time to, to see what could be perhaps done differently. If it's a best case, medium mm. case, worst case. And again, taking time with people. I don't find another way to do that hmm. because the, the at the stage where we invested in so seed stage you don't have a lot of things to to do to to deep dive in yeah there's some results there's sometimes first the first version of products but that's it there's no numbers no most of the time no revenues no no not a lot of things to due diligence so yeah you need to take time with the team yes and as you move forward and as people uh, start to taste some success, 
or make setbacks, how do you help people deal with that? Because one thing which I've seen is it's not just the failures which can create challenges, even the success can create challenges, especially if you're confident or if you're very, if you believe about your idea, it can make you very one-sided. So can you share a bit of those, uh, maybe some experiences where companies that you have invested in have tasted success or, or setbacks and how has that shaped the entrepreneurs and then their organizations as a result? Yeah, it's a good remark. In fact, so you've got things to do if it's a f- not good times, but also if it's a success, uh, it's not so easy. And you need to manage the, the, the sales growing up, the needs to have more products to sales, etc. So it's not so easy. It's a good problem, but it's still a problem. <laughs> so how, how can we help? So first of all, discussion with management to identify pain points. In fact, it's the first job of the board and board members. Second, second time is having the good network to help or I don't know, hardware production topics or software troubles that could happen because of the scaling up of this company, etc. And the fact is that because you've got several companies in your portfolio, you already have this kind of topics and you already have to talk to a consultant, advisor or whatever, and then you know who's the, who's the, the good ones and the, and the others. So saving time could be very important for the management at this time. And Probably another topic where we are very active is the organ- organization. So helping the, the management to evolve with our own experience or based on also, uh, again, uh, advisors in, depending on the topics. It, it's very uh, important to, to know how to organize the business units, et cetera, how to, international, to go international. So it's very, not so easy for, uh, for startups to, in the, the growth phase. And at the end for sure, financing. So because you are growing, you need more money and you need to raise money. It could be dilutive money or with the VCs or private equity funds, or it could be non-dilutive ones, grants, etc. So helping them to have that. Uh, again, with network, again, with uh, good contacts at the right level, we are doing everything we can to do that. But... On this topic particularly, it could be important to have not only one VCs or one investor on board because you are, when you are several, you multiplicate the, the networks and the ability to help the company to have the good contact and the good moments. So it's also a, a way to, to manage it. At this stage, we are not very, at seed stage, we can be more hands-on because the managers are perhaps um, could have, could, could have some needs, particular needs. I don't know if it's medical ones or regulatory ones, but yeah. But when you are scaling up the company, it's more advisors and networks and, and also financing where we are trying to add. Yeah. You mentioned some, some examples. So we are, we were an investor in a French company based in, in Paris in AI fields. And we, we make the seed. So first to investment, we syndicate the seed round. And then we made a Series A and a Series B. And for the Series B, we were probably because we've got the competence of the management because we were there for the early, from the early beginning. We were instrumental for doing the Series B, even if we are we were not the most the bigger investors in the round. But because we've got the story of the company, the, this particular link with the management, we do with the things smoothly and make it happen at the end. 
probably easier because we, we were there. It's my impression. Perhaps I'm wrong. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's this kind of thing that we can do. And because we've got a long time, um, we had a long time with the management. We know the plus and the minus. We know how they works. We can help also the new investors to know them quicker mm. and to be more efficient. I don't know yeah. if it's uh, this kind of uh, answer that you are waiting for, but yeah. 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 And as you mentioned that journey, right, from C to Series A to Series B, especially as the organization also grows, mm. what do you see is the difference in the kind of leadership that is required at different stages? And how have you seen leaders invest in their own development of journey, in, in, the, in their own journey as, as a leader and growth? So what have you observed? Yeah, good question. Again, we observe several things. Some sometimes because, for example, we were seed investor into Nanobiotics, which is a biotech French company incorporated in two thousand three, something like that. We made the first investment in two thousand five, and they announced just before summer very big deal with Johnson and Johnson two point five billion euros deal very happy to be a part, still part, small part, but still part of that. And we go through everything with nanobiotics. You know, we made the first check and then we have some discussion about what kind of, what could be the first product of the company. We also have some discussion about management because there, there was several funders at the beginning and now the CEO is still the one of the founders, Laurent Lévy, but the, all the founders are not here. So it's part of your question. Sometimes the first casting is a good one, sometimes not. Sometimes you need to evolve during the time and it's not so easy to do it. It's not so easy for the founders to accept it. It's not so easy for the investors to be aware that it's the good timing to make the evolution. And then it could also, could also be risky to, to change the management during the journey. But most of the time, you don't have the choice. And it's probably part of the things that we are looking at very carefully at the beginning. It's the quality of the management and their own ability to be, to listen to voices and to be aware of the needs that they could have during the way and having the ability to hire people that are better than us, that are little than them, that have other kind of skills and experience, et cetera, to enrich the, the company. So it's, Probably the most important thing that we are looking at in the management team, and it's not so easy, in fact, to have it. And we can understand easily that entrepreneurs don't like to be the good people at one time and then not enough mature or evolved or seasoned to, to be the, the CEO for to go to the end of the story. But it's part of our job. It's a big part of our job, to be honest. And then we need to, for most of the time, we are working with headhunters. If we don't have people in our network and trying to match people together, it's not so easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a meeting <laughs> the entrepreneurs. And sometimes it's very successful, sometimes less. Perhaps another example, perhaps to illustrate that. So we invest in a, into a French, a very small French company a few years ago, funded by a physician, but he knows that he don't want to be the CEO. Oh. So it's very good for us because he, he's got the idea, he started the development of the product, but he doesn't want, he didn't want to be the CEO. So he, he come to us 
as for money, for the development of the project, but also for duration, structuring, organizing the company and the management, etc. So we searched together a CEO. We found one, a very good one. This one was very seasoned in the sector of this company and coming with his own team. So he's coming, mm. the CEO is coming and also the size people are very important for the project. And, and then it starts and the project become coming from the project's style to go to market and organize business with a structured team, uh, etc. So yeah, it was very different in 12 months. The difference of the, mm. was very impressive in fact, because these guys very seasoned, already done that X times and do it very smoothly with the funders, scientific funders. And both of them are still into the company, running the company. The CEO is running the company and the founders is in charge of clinical, etc. So yeah, it's, when it's like that, it's, it's perfect. It's not so easy to have this kind of um, synergies. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that example. I think it requires a tremendous amount of uh, self-awareness first and then humility to be able to say that, that I don't want to be the CEO. So how... How do you deal with the difficult conversations, especially with people who might not have uh, that level of uh, maturity or awareness or willingness? How do you deal with this? Especially as an investor, you're talking to multiple entrepreneurs. How do you deal with stress or these difficult conversations on your level? When I was younger, when I was a young investor, I tried to deal with. Now I'm not so young, still young, but not so young. I try to identify the, these entrepreneurs that, that are not aware of their own weaknesses. You know, it's not so easy it's a, and, and probably I make a lot of mistakes, but because of experience and did, doing a lot of deals and seeing a lot of people, I, we've got some intuition that these kind of people will be uh, able to, to evolve with the company, this kind will not. And if it's the case now, probably our position is not to do the investment because it's too risky, too time consuming, too dangerous at the end for the company to, to deal with this kind of ego. And, and it's probably sad for the project. Perhaps the project, it could be really huge. At the end, the team will be the success. We'll do the success. Yeah. 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 It's not yeah. really a good answer to how do you deal with my, my answer is that I don't deal with <laughs> Yeah, but you have some like red flags, like somebody who's not aware of their weaknesses or not willing to reflect upon that. And then you rely a lot on your intuition also, as you said, to make yeah, those. Yeah, probably it's, we can call it intuition or experience because we did mistakes before and we're trying not to do the same. And probably sometimes we are wrong too. Well, probably we missed some deals. I hope not, but because of this feeling that we, we won't be able to work with this kind of managers and, and perhaps they find money with those offices and it's good and it's not a, not a problem. We usually say that this job, investors, is a job of experience. You need to lose money before gaining anything because you need to learn, in fact, to deal with this kind of people, which are who are very specific people. Mm. Not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur that launches startups in a very innovative field. That's yeah. a, a part of madness. Yes. <laughs> a small part, but yeah. Yes. 
And before we wrap up, since you work with the people over a long term, what I want to ask is about success, right? When you hear about the startup world, when you hear about entrepreneurship, success is seen one way, like in a very glamorous way from the outside, when either raising a big round or reaching a unicorn status or doing something like that. Over the long term, right? Can you share what gives you the most satisfaction? Uh, and also, what have you observed about uh, the people that you work with? What gives entrepreneurs the most like feeling of success at the end of the day? Okay, so what what is success for me? What's success for us at Carista? Yeah. So on on the investor standpoint, for sure, big financial returns is a success, and it, you can have big financial returns without unicorns, mm. without very high valuation, etc. Because just the company is successful on his market, is being leader in Europe, in the world, or whatever, and a big uh, turnover, and then you made a make a big uh, exit with an, a corporate or whatever. First for us is for sure a financial success, but on a human standpoint, if you can say like that, we are working for for years with people that are extraordinary people, very visionary, as I already said, uh, insightful and also resilient. And when these kind of guys or, or women are successful, it's very, it's a good, it's a good thing for us. It's, uh, we are very proud to be a um, part of their success. I mentioned nanobiotics is part of this kind of people. He, uh, I met him, okay, years ago and we already stay in contact and now we, he deal with this $2.5 billion and I'm so happy for him, for him and all the, the effort he put on the, on this project. And I'm sure that it's not just the beginning for nanobiotics, even if it's a 20 years company. Uh, other example, we, we invest in a company named Ecosos, which is a different kind of company. It's a medtech company, and we also were seed investors. And now Ecosos, they've commercialized a product named Fibroscan, which is uh, now in every, probably each hospital around the world when you've got a, a pathology in a, a liver pathology. So it's a, a way to, to diagnose a liver disease without biopsy. And I'm so proud to be part of that. I was a small part of this venture, but now it's helping people every, all over the world every day. So that's a success, a true success. It's also a financial one, to be honest. But yeah, it's also a true success for Carissa, for me, for Laurent Sandra, which was the founder and is still a part of the venture. So that's my definition yes. of the success. Hmm. Yeah. And especially from an entrepreneur point of view, right? What do you see is the difference between how success is perceived from the outside and what entrepreneurs actually experience when they are like in the journey for the long term? For sure, we've been uh, through the, the, the past years in a world where uh, fundraising, unicorns, billions of things are very shiny and everybody wants to be a startup founder, etc., etc. But it's a long way and success is where, at the end, true success. Only a few of these uh, startups will be uh, successful to be able to put uh, innovative products, useful innovative products on the market and, and, and another part to be uh, able to sell that company at a very high price. That's the reason why unicorns is it's great because it's a way to to uh, make some some buzz around startups, but it's not it's not cash. Most of them are just a uh, temporary valuation, and probably we will see some troubles in the coming months. But for young entrepreneurs or young, not only in age but in, in experience, that's 
it's a star system. It's the, just like the being an actor and going to Hollywood, say, something like that. So yeah, you want to be successful. You want to have your name in the paper saying that you are raising a lot of money. Probably, yes. But at the end, raising money is just the way. And then you need to be at the end of the story. And uh, the end of the story is, I don't know, going on the more listed market. And it's not exactly the end or making a mega deal with the corporates or just having a, a business which is really profitable and that's great too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Most of the entrepreneurs are more appealing by the shiny part with the fundraising, etc. But yeah, there's the, the other side, which is you need to manage your investors. It's not so easy sometimes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that's the dynamic of, of the world. Uh, that we live in. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Catherine, for sharing these wonderful examples and I think very real world uh, experiences and lessons, which cannot be like learned from a business school or from like any other uh, academic experience. Thank you for doing that. Before we end, what is the best way for people to reach out to you or find out more about what you are up to? me, you mean? Yeah, to you and Karishsa. In fact, the best way to, to discuss with us is to link by, by LinkedIn or our website and to see what we are doing. We are very protective on the net, the network. So yeah. And at the end, try to, try to reach uh, with us. It's a good idea and we will uh, have a look on your project. And, uh, if it's no today, it's not no forever. Uh, it's, we are also, uh, uh, use to see and re-see and see again uh, the managers because you know that some t we know that sometimes it's not exactly the good timing for us or for the company. It's a little bit too early, or and or we've got some question, but it could be six months later or one year later, and it's not a it's never a no forever you know job. So yeah, be be resilient and sometimes it, it could be a yes, and then we'll be happy to, to work together. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for sharing that. I think that's a wonderful lesson for entrepreneurship and leadership in general, right? It's not a no forever. It's, there's always the future. So thank you for sharing that. And as thank we you. end, I would like to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. Thank you, Samit. Same to you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come, and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team if you want to know more go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on linkedin 
I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.